The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. Reiki has been proven to bring you balance and peace, as well as improve your health. It's a healing method that works with other alternative methods, as well as conventional medical practices, to encourage and enhance personal healing on a number of levels. Now, to tell you more about Reiki and better health, here is Paula Vale. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Reiki. Thank you for being with us today. A big hello, a happy holidays. I have a wonderful show today. We are going to be talking about organic farming, farming and the role of spirit in the food movement. And my special guest is Jim Ewing. He actually has been on the show before, and he was just, it was a, so fantastic, I had to have him back. And Jim is an award-winning journalist and author. He's a workshop leader and an inspirational speaker in the fields of mind and body medicine. He is the author of seven books on mindfulness and alternative health, including Conscious Food. And that is the book we're going to be discussing a little bit today and talking about organic food and farming and the role of spirit in the food movement. Welcome back, Jim. Well, it's good to be back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, why don't you uh, begin with just kind of tell us about why you wrote your book, Conscious Food. Okay. Well, for seven years, uh, I had a organic farm, or I should say we used organic growing methods. And um, one day I was out in the field, and it was one of those beautiful days, the little puffy white clouds and blue sky and very gentle wind. And I had some corn. I like to grow uh, native corn and was enjoying the corn and walking through the fields and so forth. And um it was just such a beautiful experience being there with the earth and and the feeling that came over to me was a great truth that uh, by providing this food that we were providing a walking prayer for people, that with our hands we were providing sustenance for people. And it did my heart good. It made me feel good that that uh, this was a beautiful, a beautiful way to be and a beautiful uh, profession, if you will. It's a beautiful way to make a living if you can do it and uh, to provide food and sustenance in such a beautiful way with being with the plants and animals and so forth. And it was a, a very, uh, one of those moments that sticks in your mind forever. So I came in from the field and uh, made the mistake of sitting down in front of the computer <laughs> And there was um, you know, all the various things I subscribed to, and and uh, it seemed that 
it was just a constant barrage of uh, unhealthy items regarding food. Uh, at that time, one of the th- things on my email was an alert for uh, some food that had E. coli in it and was being recalled, um, you know, millions of pounds and all over the country. It was a huge uh, story. And uh, there was another um, uh, story about food deserts, uh, about where uh, in rural areas especially, but even in urban areas where people couldn't get um, uh, green or food, green leafy vegetables or, or any type of good, good wholesome food. Uh, there were stories there about contamination of pesticides for food, uh, about the lo- loss of nutrition. Uh, mm-hmm. in the food that we eat, uh, about the uh, uh, soil fertility going down and so forth. There was just so many uh, things, and, and even that there was a, a new report out on obesity that uh, is, uh, obesity is being a form of malnutrition, that through uh, improper nutrition that the, the body responds uh, in such a way. And... So I sat there and, and, and I, I had this dislocation. It was like, how did we go from uh, being in the field and, and uh, growing things with your hands and your heart and providing food for the people and a sharing to, which is what people, indigenous people around the world uh, did for thousands of years, uh, tens of thousands. Well, not tens, but about 10,000 years. And... Um, how do we go from that to where we are today that food is is dangerous and unhealthy and can kill you how did how yeah. did that happen so um, that got me on the the path of looking into this to see uh, what happened how did did food change and so I started researching and um, of course I'd written you know five previous books on uh, various uh, topics and uh, of uh, mind-body medicine, and I went back and looked at some of uh, those things, some of those sources, and uh, archaeological uh, reports and uh, spiritual uh, texts and so forth, and came to the realization that uh, it's sort of like when you the, the old saying about with a a frog that you know you heat up the water slowly enough so that before you know before he knows he's cooked. Well, it's the same way with us, that uh, that agriculture in its beginnings was uh, an entirely different uh, thing than it is today. And uh, uh, Robert McIlvain has written a very good book called Eve's Seed. He's a historian, and uh, he says and, and backs it up uh, in a scholarly fashion that, that women invented agriculture. And he shows how, and I quote him in my book, about uh, how uh, the the invention of agriculture from uh, hunter-gathering societies created changes in the ways in the way of civilization and how human beings evolved. Even uh, it's called biocultural evolution. But anyway, um, in the origins of agriculture were within you know goddess societies and where it's were. Uh, matriarchal and uh, uh, you know not the uh, patriarchal system that we have today, and 
it was provided in much the same way that Native America did when uh, the first Europeans came and were baffled by it, that food was considered sacred, and it was something that uh, was inviolate, that it was uh, a, a human right, if you will, food, and providing for all people within the group, uh, from the youngest to the eldest. And it wasn't until... Uh, it started in around the time of Egypt when uh, food stores were amassed and were taken over by more tra- patriarchal systems uh, that food became uh, a weapon of war. And, of course, that was taken to a high art uh, through the Roman Empire. Uh, if you look in the history, you see that uh, even the, the Celtic peoples of, uh, of uh, England, Scotland, and Wales uh, and Anglos were uh, Anglo people and Anglo Germanic were uh, also uh, ruled by or governed by um, female uh, systems that also were inclusive and whole, much like the tribal system in Native America. So we see what we see is uh, this system of food production changing from a holistic system in which uh, societies were self-sustaining and everyone shared from the youngest to the oldest to uh, hierarchical systems uh, that are um, used as weapons of war and used as uh, measures of social control. In other words, through conquest. And mm-hmm. it's also wrapped up with the religions of the various um, peoples. So that's where it all started. And, of course, it's uh, changed. And, and so today uh, you have a patriarchal system where uh, corporations are now um, essentially creating an oligarchy uh, of the earth in which even seeds are being patented and people are even being uh, brought to court, being sued for uh, uh, infringing upon those patents. Yes, yes. So it's kind of taken a, a turn from food being sacred to food being almost a power, exactly. a control. Mm-hmm. As a tool of, of war and social control. Yes, yes. Um and how do we, what can we do as a consumer out there? I mean, we can shop, you know, try to buy the healthiest food we can, try to buy organic or what we can do. What can we do to bring um, sacredness and empowerment back to the food and connect with our food and, and really kind of connect with the planet? Now there is... Uh as many people hearing this may know, a food movement, which is worldwide, and that is seeing food as uh, nutritionally important and also being, uh, if not a right, then at least a fundamental uh, need that should be respected. And around the country, you're actually seeing uh, what have been marginalized groups of um, minorities and so forth who are joining together to create their own food systems, uh, to uh, turn uh, downtown urban areas, abandoned lots and so forth, into uh, organically grown, chemically free, uh, nutritious food, uh, and uh, even churches, even mainstream churches that are now as ministries 
uh, providing church lands for people to come and grow their food and providing food for the elderly, the infirm, uh, shut-ins, people who are ill and can't provide for themselves, the homeless, and so forth. So uh, not only in the United States, but worldwide, there is this food movement, which if you notice in the media, and um, and I, you know, I'm a little bit of disclosure here, I was a newsman for 32 years, so <laughs> so I'm very well versed in the media. Uh, <laughs> in the in the mainstream media, you do not see the stories that are stories of empowerment, that where people are taking control of their own lives and their own food. When you take control of your own food, your own sustenance, your own well-being, your own self-sufficiency, that takes away power from those who would have power over you and. What happens is that we have this drumbeat that goes on and on and on that uh, that the Cargills of the world and Monsanto and all these people, all these corporations and so forth are in control and powerful and getting ever more powerful, and that's true. But the other side of the story, the story that is not that is told in some ways and is told in certain by certain media, but is not the widespread one that is is uh, in mainstream media, is that people are taking back control of their lives to their food, and it's often done uh, in a spiritual way. And this is, uh, and that is by people who uh, care, who, who care about the earth and care about living beings. And I'll go back a little bit here that, that um, there was, if you look back into prehistory, and that is pre-Columbian history and so forth, uh, and I'm not trying to be a anti-science or anything like that. There's a lot of science quoted in my book as well. But uh, if you look at if you look at prehistory, you see that the connection of food as being uh, a, a, an important part of life in the community, and that sharing and the breaking of bread and the praying over bread and providing food for people and all the people has always been a, a highly compassionate and spiritual act. Not as, and I give this you know, as, a, as a glaring example, say the Old Testament that is a, uh, in, in Christianity of being showing mercy, but a New Testament way of, of, of uh, womb-like love. That, uh, that Jesus speaks about, that if you actually translate, you know, from the Aramaic, what, what Jesus is saying, uh, what is given is love, from his type of love, is, is womb-like love, and that is all-encompassing, which is a feminine type of love, whereas in the Old Testament, it is a masculine form of love, which is one of mercy, which is something that is bestowed which has also the hidden meaning, or maybe not so hidden meaning, of power that it can also be taken away. And so that, that cultural shift there, which probably shows uh, one of the most powerful distinctions between uh, the patriarchal system, which is shown in the Old Testament, and uh, a more uh, matrilineal or uh, 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 matrifocal system which is seen in the New Testament. It's a distinction. Wow, wow. Thank you, Jim. I love that. And um, a little bit, something I read in your book um, was about plants and uh, how they have kind of a basic consciousness. 
uh, hel- heliotropism uh, that plants have, like turning to face the sun. I that would I'd love to hear a little bit about that. We are getting ready to go into commercial though, so. Why don't we take a break here and get back, and and I'd love to hear a little bit about that, Jim. Sure. Okay, thank you. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. The healing modality of Reiki has become more recognized worldwide in both the areas of naturopathic medicine and Western medicine. Reiki not only benefits and heals the person receiving the Reiki healing energy, but also the practitioner. Learning Reiki can change your life and the life of those around you. Paula Vale of Wellness Inspired in Tacoma, Washington, has trained in Reiki worldwide and teaches all levels of Yusui and Karuna Reiki. Paula understands that teaching Reiki is both an honor and a responsibility. Go to wellnessinspired.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Kristen Eichel. Join Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki and I, along with millions of other Reiki and energy healers worldwide as we create the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife. Beginning from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this Saturday and the third Saturday of every month in your time zone, this healing wave of prayer and positive energy will ripple around the planet, creating a 24-hour wave of Reiki, love, and healing to all the members of the animal kingdom. Animals feed us. They clothe us. They comfort us and inspire us. We live with them in our homes and in our communities, and we send this healing wave of light to them to express our gratefulness to them for their gifts to all humanity. Please join with us as we create a new movement of Reiki energy with the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Write to Paula to share your thoughts and experiences with Reiki. Paula at wellnessinspired.com Are you looking to relax, improve your health, and find balance in your life? Then you need to try the wonderful healing powers of Reiki. Reiki is an energy healing technique that is based on the concept of life energy. At Wellness Inspired, located in Tacoma, Washington, we offer Reiki sessions in combination with other healing modalities to maximize the healing benefits for our clients. We also have one of the few crystal healing beds located in the Pacific Northwest. To learn more about how you can achieve better health and balance with Reiki, visit us at wellnessinspired.com. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Paula Vale here with Jim Ewing. And we are discussing organic food and spirit. And Jim is the author of Conscious Food. So we're discussing his book, and something that I was intrigued with in the book, Jim, was um, the known fact of, you know, plants, how they have kind of a basic consciousness, and 
for instance, a plant that turns with the sun. And actually, I have read that they, you know, they actually really are very sensitive, you know, and, you know, to what's around them and energy or, or insects on them. But anyway, um, share a little bit about that with us, please. Okay. Well, heliotropism, which you're talking about, is something which is the plant's response to sunlight. But what a lot of people don't know is that uh, plants respond and communicate uh, across the spectrum. Uh, People who uh, deal with pesticides and um, insects and so forth uh, know this. It's in the scientific literature about how... Uh, infrared can be used to uh, measure the health of plants and how plants actually communicate with one another through a variety of forms and not only through uh, secretions uh, such as uh, 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 the chemicals that are uh, that repel insects but also uh, those that uh, are secreted as far as protecting their roots and so forth. And it's all, you know, if you look at it very scientifically, uh, you see all these processes and you go, wow, I didn't know all that was going on. But if you take a step back a little bit and take away uh, the jargon from it, the technical jargon, what you're seeing is actually uh, a lot of communication going on among plants and animals and insects that have not been studied as much as they possibly could have. Uh, They have been studied from the standpoint, for example, of uh, satellites and so forth taking pictures in infrared to see what what, uh, plants are stressed and those that are uh, maybe susceptible to insect pressures and so forth. Uh, done from the standpoint of what chemicals can be applied to them, like chemicals that uh, either through fertilizers or through uh, insecticides or herbicides and so forth, which is a uh, an application type way of looking at at plants. But what uh, what it actually says, if you're not looking at it from that standpoint, is another that there is a whole world out there that we're that we're unaware of with our uh, naked eyes, our our physical eyes, that we don't see but can only be seen through uh, lenses and through uh, manipulations of the light spectrum and so forth. There's a lot of communication going on between plants, uh, one plant and another plant, uh, between insects and plants, between birds and plants that uh, we are totally unaware of. Now, of course, if you, uh, and this is all scientific, I mean, it's all, uh, it's all documented and so forth as far as spectrum analysis and so forth and the chemicals that are secreted and all that. But, but what, if you were, if you were a shaman, uh, you would say, well, I know that because I can see, uh, I can see these things. I can see these things with my spirit eyes. And you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, this is what in, uh, native and indigenous societies throughout the world, would say in non-ordinary reality, you know, it was a journey or to vision or to see, you're perceiving beyond the five senses and you see things which uh, can only be seen through a uh, expanded way of, of consciousness. And what happens there is that you're actually, when you open up your, say, spirit eyes to observe what is there before you, uh, then you start to see, you have a communication 
with the plant. It's on an entirely different level. You say, well, how can I communicate with a plant? Well, uh, if you were to go out and try speaking to a plant, uh, the plant uh, probably wouldn't understand you. It would, you know, because it maybe doesn't understand English. But if you were speaking to the plant from your heart, uh, it might understand what you're saying, just as animals do, because they're responding not to the uh, words which are picked up uh, by the left brain, but through the right brain, which is the, the sensitive, holistic, the one that's connected to non-ordinary reality. And in that way, you have a communication which is much greater than uh, a spoken word or a written word. Does that uh, answer your question? Yes, yes. So as just, you know, a lay person that, that maybe has never heard, you know, spirit eyes and that, where, where, how would we do that? Would it be just getting, opening our mindset? Um, how does someone open their spirit yeah, eyes? Let's, let's, uh, well, your, your show and, and your, your uh, focus is on Reiki, and that's a perfect example of how you are communicating with plants and animals, whether they be human beings or uh, of the plant nations or the animal nations or whatever, that when you are uh, channeling the Reiki energy to, say, a loved one or a friend or someone who helps you, uh, it doesn't really... Uh, it's not easily uh, uh, communicated through uh, the, the written word or the spoken word. You can try to explain it, and uh, and people can understand it from an objective point of view. But as far as the actual power of Reiki, the healing power of Reiki, how it's transmitted, it's done uh, through the heart, through the mind, through mm-hmm. love, through a, a holistic way in which you're using all your senses, your heart, you're allowing yourself to be used as an instrument of the Reiki power or a channel of the Reiki power. You are transmitting the symbols, which are themselves a form of information, which other beings, whether they be human beings or plant beings or animal beings, uh, they respond to that energy, to that uh, that pattern of energy, which a symbol uh, encapsulates and so you are communicating with uh, plants and animals when you allow, when you uh, direct your attention and your intention to providing Reiki energy to other beings. So to take that a step further, if uh, you were to uh, expand that ability of uh, merely allowing uh, your your chakras, your the chakras in your your hands, let's say, of course they also come through your feet. But if you are expand uh, that Reiki uh, to be uh, to be accessed, understood, or seen, which is uh, perceived in, through other uh, through other uh, uh, aptitudes that you have, you might see things in a little bit different way. I know that probably when you've done Reiki, and anybody who's done Reiki uh, has done Reiki for someone long distance. So say you're doing the Hachisei Shonen, you're doing the long, you know, use the long distance symbol and uh, Shokurei powering up, and uh, and you you can actually feel that connection. You feel that connection. You feel that energy. You feel it starts to flow, and you know it's, it's reaching its target. It's going where it needs to go. And that yes. makes your heart feel good. It makes you, you know, makes your whole body feel good. It makes your hands, you know, get hot, or or or, or tingle, or whatever. Different people have different uh, uh, sensations, but you know that you're connecting in that way. But let's say you close your eyes. 
close your eyes when you're doing Reiki. And, of course, I know that when, uh, you know, I've done Reiki for many years. And when I do Reiki, I usually see the symbols. I see the color purple. Uh, I see what I see are my Reiki guides. And to me, they appear as like stars. You know, like if you were looking up in the sky and seeing bright stars, they like to me they're like bright, you know, stars and purple mm-hmm. energy and so forth. And then I'll see, I'll actually see the the person, but it's usually not just one person. It's usually more people that's going out to, and I'll see that is they look like to me they look like purple star. I mean, not purple. They look like uh, pink stars. Okay, that's just the way I see them. Uh, but that's you know that's when I close my eyes and I'm working long distance. I feel that connection in my heart. I feel it, and I feel it in my body. I feel it. You know the energy going through me, and I can see that's what I see. Now, if I were going to open up even further, and I usually don't do this when I'm doing Reiki in that way because I'm usually standing and I'm doing it, you know, whatever I have to concentrate on, you know, just standing yes. and being present, you know. But but if if uh, if I were going to take it to, you know, we've discussed this before, uh, my other book, previous book, Reiki Shamanism, where take it into the shamanic journey. If I were going to journey, then I would be using the drum or either uh, drumming for myself or listening to a CD and lying down or sitting down where then I would not have to do anything except, you know, follow that drum, uh, which uh, is is taking me to wherever it is. And then I would see, like in a dreamlike state, the person or place or thing or whatever that I'm working on. And so that's just taking a little bit step further. Uh, it's, you're not doing anything different except that you're allowing other senses to open up uh, and allowing the right side of your brain to come through rather than, you know, the left side, which is the logical part, which is the little ego monkey mind, which is telling you, oh, you can't do this. Oh, you're imagining this. Oh, let's do this. I want a ham sandwich. What did so-and-so say to me today? Why did that person pull out in front of me this morning? Uh, Did I pay that bill? You know, all those things. You know, all yes. those things is just, you know, the chatter. And yes. so if you allow yourself to open up and see, then uh, if you do, while you're doing your Reiki, uh, it can, can offer you a little bit more insight. Oh, I love that. I love that analogy. And, you know, when you kind of pull that into food, what I'm feeling is, okay, if I can open my spirit eyes a little bit and get out of the mind chatter, and as I'm taking in this food, if I can just take a moment to kind of, you know, have some gratitude and feel these plants, these, you know, these plants were part of the earth, this animal, this animal was actually a living creature. So that may change a little bit of the effect of what we're putting in our body. Yeah. Is that it's correct? A, it's correct. And in... Uh In my book, Healing Plants and Animals from a Distance, Curative Principles and Applications, kind of a long title, but in that book I go into more detail about long-distance work for healing plants and animals and and using Reiki um, and other forms too. But uh, earth energy is just, uh, you know, different ways of of accessing uh, and basically giving prayers where you can see. Okay, but when when uh, when you eat your food, uh, if you notice in the ancient texts, uh, when you pray over your food, uh, you know it's not like uh, today where you know you say a rote prayer 
uh, it doesn't mean anything. It's just sort of a, a symbolic prayer. Uh, when ancient peoples prayed over their foods, they actually, and my kitty cat's here rubbing up against me against the phone. She, she can, my Reiki's turned on and she's just going nuts. She, she's a oh, real Reiki. I love it. She's a real Reiki hog. But, <laughs> <laughs> love but anyway, it. when uh, ancient peoples would uh, pray over their food to bless their food, uh, they they weren't just saying something. What they were doing, you know, the, the the power of blessing is a powerful force, and it's something that human beings have. You know, we are children of earth and sky. We are, uh, you know, we walk between the worlds. We are uh, earthly mother and heavenly father. We have this power. It's all within us. We are the marriage of these great powers. And so when we allow ourselves to bless, and that is to bring forth the great energy that we have, a positive energy of saying, this is good. In other words, good God, God-like good. In other words, this is good. My connection with God, my connection with spirit, my connection with all beings, my connection with all things. If you bring that energy to the forefront to your consciousness and allow your hands to channel that energy, this goodness of all the good things that are good, the highest and best possible that you can bring to the fore, what you're doing is you're raising the vibration rate of that food. You know, if you've ever read, you know, like Dr. Omoto and, uh, you know, the, the things he did with yes. water, uh, things like that, that's just one example. There are many examples, but... If uh, the vibration rate, when you're raising the vibration rate of food, what that does is it kills bacteria, kills viruses, right? makes it much more nutritious. It actually becomes a blessing. The food becomes a blessing that you take into your body, okay? You become one with the food. And the food gives you what you need because you have blessed it. You have changed its molecular structure so it is food. You know, like the ancients said, uh, let, let food be your medicine. Well, that was not just an idle uh, set of words there, a slogan or something. That was absolute truth. That was God's truth, if you will, because what you're doing is you're allowing your God-like presence, your, your highest presence, your highest power, your highest good, to come forward, to become one with the, the physical surroundings that you have and what you're going to put into your body. Now, people today, you know, they, uh, you know you've heard it, uh, uh, you know, Jewish mothers, and I had a very good friend when I lived in New York, and, and they took me in for a while, lived with them, and she was a Jewish mother, and uh, she said, you know, my friend and I would want to go out to go eat, and she'd say, no, why are you going to go out, you know, out there Eat this food. Eat the food that I make for you. Don't out there go out there and eat garbage. Don't eat garbage. <laughs> yeah. And yes. I loved her, and she was a beautiful person, and, and it was true because she made the food that she made for me and my friend and her family was made with love. It was made. It was from her heart, and everything she made, she prayed over. She she blessed everything that that there was, and so when we sat down to the table and she provided the food, we weren't eating just food. We were eating the love that she gave to us. And so exactly. how can you go wrong with that? How can you go wrong with the mother's love? How can you go wrong with, with uh, charitable, charitable, uh, being charitable and compassionate and giving to the stranger like I was? There was someone from another town, another place that they allowed into their home and provided this food and love and comfort. When you think of all these things, these things which are of the heart, which are of spirit, which are sacred and have been sacred for thousands of years in every society upon this earth. These good things, these 
good things of food and companionship and love and sharing and charity and all these things that are connected to Creator, the power of healing, the power of wholeness, the power of, of giving to another. These are the things that, that have endured upon this earth. Not the, the great uh, corporations which uh, frighten us every day with their war making and their terrors and their fears and the constant drumbeat of all these things. Those are manufactured to keep us in line, as, uh, you know, to, to keep us cowed, to, to uh, make us think that we don't have any power. But we are all powerful. We are all powerful. We are uh, one with Creator. And if we will allow ourselves to feel these things, become one with these things, all the good things like Reiki. Reiki power and the wonderful energy of the earth and of the sky and the water and all the plants and beings upon this earth, then we are true power, infinite power, and not the finite power of the earth. But I guess that's enough of my soapbox on that. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, that was beautiful, Jim. I love it. And it, it, it kind of made me giggle all my life with my family when I go visit my children out of state or anywhere, first thing I'm doing, I'm in the kitchen cooking, I'm doing dishes. Mom, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, this is my way of loving you. And I've always looked at it that way. When we do things for our family and our loved ones, it's a way of loving them. Oh, I love that, Jim. Um, we're going to take a break now and go to another commercial. And we will be back in just a couple minutes, everyone. Thank you. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. The healing modality of Reiki has become more recognized worldwide in both the areas of naturopathic medicine and Western medicine. Reiki not only benefits and heals the person receiving the Reiki healing energy, but also the practitioner. Learning Reiki can change your life and the life of those around you. Paula Vale of Wellness Inspired in Tacoma, Washington, has trained in Reiki worldwide and teaches all levels of Yusui and Karuna Reiki. Paula understands that teaching Reiki is both an honor and a responsibility. Go to wellnessinspired.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Kristen Eichel. Join Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki and I, along with millions of other Reiki and energy healers worldwide, as we create the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife. Beginning from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this Saturday and the third Saturday of every month in your time zone, this healing wave of prayer and positive energy will ripple around the planet, creating a 24-hour wave of Reiki, love, and healing to all the members of the animal kingdom. Animals feed us, they clothe us, they comfort us, and inspire us. We live with them in our homes and in our communities, and we send this healing wave of light to them to express our gratefulness to them for their gifts to all humanity. Please join with us as we create a new movement of Reiki energy with the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Write to Paula to share your thoughts and experiences with Reiki. Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Are you looking to relax, improve your health, and find balance in your life? Then you need to try the wonderful healing powers of Reiki. Reiki is an energy healing technique that is based on the concept of life energy. At Wellness Inspired, located in Tacoma, Washington, 
we offer Reiki sessions in combination with other healing modalities to maximize the healing benefits for our clients. We also have one of the few crystal healing beds located in the Pacific Northwest. To learn more about how you can achieve better health and balance with Reiki, visit us at wellnessinspired.com. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I have Jim Ewing with me today, and he's just full of beautiful information and inspiration. And we've been discussing organic food, energy, Reiki, and I think it might be kind of fun. Uh, let's throw angels into the mix, Jim. Anything like you, you'd like to share on the angel category today? Yeah, one of the things in uh, researching the book Conscious Food, Sustainable Growing, Spiritual Eating was uh, going back and reading uh, original texts. And one of the things was uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which I found very interesting about the Essenes. If you look at the Essenes, and it's believed that Jesus was, was an Essene, if he wasn't an Essene, then he certainly was influenced by them. If you read uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you'll see why. Um, but one of the things that in there is the uh, the daily contact and the prayers and the acknowledgement of angels in everything that they did. And you don't hear, I mean, we, we hear about angels from people who do angel readings and so forth, and, and I have, uh, you know, uh, uh, real good friends who do wonderful angel readings, uh, but... Uh, uh, and uh, Stephanie Barton is one. I was, you know, she's she's a real good friend. I've known her for a long time. She's done several readings for me, and and uh, but she's uh, she's top notch. But uh, and I, I keep that kind of around where I can look at them. But uh, one of the things that that struck me is that that in the Essenes they had prayers for each of the angels. For they had angels for directions. You know, like you would find in Native America, uh, the direction. When I say not angels for the directions in Native America, but the powers. The powers of the directions, which you know in Cherokee are called the Unoli, or the the winds from each direction. Each one has a power, and each one has a different uh, quality to it. So that when you're outside, for example, and you uh, feel wind from the south, you feel a certain type of energy. When you feel wind from the north, uh, you you know uh, ancient wisdom and so forth, and ancestors. That's a certain type of energy. When you have the direction of the east, that's opening up your eyes and so forth. And from the west, which is uh, kind of a, a shutting down or looking in, going inward type of energy. Uh, if you look at the Essenes, you see that they had angels of the different directions too, and even even uh, from the different uh, uh, times of day where they were most powerful. And you think about that, and you go, golly, uh, you know, the power of angels and, and allowing the angels, allowing angelic uh, energy to come into your life, and knowing that uh, these great miracles and blessings can happen at any time. 
you know, that's, that's the great thing about a miracle is that it can change everything because it's a miracle. And people say, well, you can't, you know, miracles don't exist because they can't be quantified. Well, that's exactly it. If it, if it could be quantified, that wouldn't be a miracle. You know? <laughs> right, right. You know, so, so when people say that that it can't be quantified, it's not scientific or whatever, uh, just not agree with them. You know, just say, well, that's the random rat. You know, because <laughs> in in science, when they any anything in science, any study, always has anomalies, and they are always excluded from the study, always, and uh, because uh, it's called the random rat. Okay, so it's called it's called the random rat. Well, everything has a random rat in it. Everything, and if you exclude the random rat, what you're doing is, is you're excluding the totality of being, the totality of reality, what is really real. And so, all of our science, although we can quantify things and we can, you know, use to say, well, so many, you know, you do these things ninety nine point nine times, this will happen. That one. Uh, one hundredth or one tenth of a time, that is when you know you flip the coin that lands on its edge. You know that mm-hmm. is the miracle. That is the doorway to the miracle. Okay, so everything we have, we have the doorway to the miracle. And guess who uh, stands there at that doorway? It's the angels who are always there, always there with us. Now, why is it that for thousands of years and in every culture? Including Native American here, and of course some will dispute it. But if you look at, you know, Sky Woman, uh, the, the Boy of the Water, uh, all these beings that exist in Native America as well, ancient Native American lore, uh, you always have beings which are beyond the human, and they have great powers that they can give to us, and they can provide miracles. And so throughout time, throughout thousands of years, we have had these powers that have existed with us and uh, lent us this power because they believe in us. They want us to progress and want us to grow and become our ultimate and best people that we can be. They want to take, you know, the, the shields from our eyes, okay, want us to see, want us to be, uh, to be able to be more godlike, be more like them, have a higher plane of existence and to progress and love and live in a higher vibration rate. So... If these angels have existed throughout the world and for thousands of years, why is it we don't hear anything about them now? Why is it that, you know, you can go to any church in America just about, and they'll give you all the the, the do's and don'ts and homilies and, you know, so forth, but they don't talk about angels. But they're in the book in which they're, uh, they hold up. It's full of angels. Yes. Well, I think yes. we should acknowledge our angels today. And provide for them and allow you know, our love for them, just as we provide uh, love for goddess energy. You know, it's the same way. Anyway, that's kind of one of my, my little pet peeves. <laughs> yes, because they're there with us. They just, you know, want it. I actually, you know, when I come into a room before a show, I, I call in the archangels and... You know, I'm always asking the angels to be there. And they just want to be with us. They want to help us. They want to guide us. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's just acknowledging them and, and allowing and having gratitude. And I'm, I'm a big angel girl. I just saw my granddaughter in the ballet, and, and she called me to say, I'm going to be an angel. And I went, that's my favorite. I know, Grammy. (laughs) Yes, yes. Awesome. Um, Well, a fun thing with uh, back on the the plant 
um, topic, Jim. I my plants in my house. I give them Reiki, and cool. they all are just stupendous. I mean, they're just beautiful and and healthy. That kind of shows us what that energy does for them, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. We we when we were growing, uh, I was married then. I'm not married anymore, but. Uh, when I was farming, uh, we grew greens, and people, mainly because that's what people liked, what we could sell, you know, we found through, you know, trial and error what people liked, and they liked the greens, and so we just kind of specialized in that. But people loved our greens, and they couldn't, they could not understand why it was so good. And I'm going to be perfectly honest here, we had terrible soil. Where we lived, it was, uh, uh, red clay soil, and, of course, we used a lot of horse manure and stuff like that to try to build up some tilth in it and whatnot, they call it. But um, but anyway, you know, what I couldn't really tell except a few people was the reason it, it tasted so good is because it had a high vib- vibration rate. You know, we'd go out there and we'd drum and we'd sing and we'd give love and, you know. And so the plants responded. We had some of the most vibrant uh, flowers that you could imagine. I mean, they were, they were so bright. The colors were so bright. You'd take pictures of them. It was like uh, burn uh-huh. out the, uh, the the pixels, you know. It was just because of that, you know, the, the constant giving them love and energy raised the vibration rate. So when people say, boy, these are the best greens I've ever had, it wasn't because of the soil or any one thing. It was because they had a high vibration rate. Another thing about uh, plants and, um, and, and consciousness is that, um, you know, you can, you can communicate with plants. And I know that, that, you know, there was a very famous book back in the 70s, and I mentioned it in my book, uh, you know, called The Secret Life of Plants. And what it did was it, it turned on a lot of people uh, to the idea that, yeah, they can communicate with their plants just like you are. When you sing to your plants, when you talk to your plants, when you, you know, give them love, they respond. And that's, you know, it's proven. I mean, you can, you know, show that. But what, what a lot of people don't know is that you can also communicate with plants directly. And as I, you know, my uh, healing plants and animals from a distance, you know, I go into more than that about how to communicate with plants and animals, but I'll give you an example. Um, you know, people say, well, he's a tree hugger. Well, I am a tree hugger. I am an absolute bona fide uh, tree hugger. And the reason is that you can com- communicate with trees in a very good way, and it's by touching them, by holding them. And the way I would do it, would be to go to the tree and I would put my hands on the tree and I would go inside, look inside myself and be still and go to the still point as a quiet, solitude, total meditative state where there is silence. Allow, you know, just gently brush aside whatever thoughts come along your way. Don't get angry at yourself. Don't, don't try to force yourself because if you do that, they'll just come back stronger. Just kind of give them love, kind of lovingly, you know, moving along mm-hmm. until you finally, you know, have some silence. And what will happen is if, if you get to that, that moment of silence, you'll start to see, because your intent is there, your intent is to see what, see or hear what the, bird, the tree has to tell you. And what will happen is that if you can reach that still point, you might see something which will appear maybe kind of like a uh, maybe a dream or daydream or maybe an image or maybe a uh, a thought or a uh, something that you see. The best way I can describe it is a remembering. And that if you, it's like when you remember something that maybe was unbidden in your mind, where something just kind of floats to the surface like that, and you go, oh, yeah, I remember that. And you don't know why it came there. You don't know. It just sort of came up. 
Well, it's the same way in communicating with with a, a plant, and that is that you're allowing it, you're opening up a door within your consciousness to allow the plant's consciousness, its vibration, to come forward. In other words, for you to attune to it. And when you allow yourself to do that, you may find yourself having perceptions, and those perceptions, uh, may they're not going to be like, you know, the tree is actually talking to you, like with a voice or something, probably not, at least it doesn't happen to me. But if uh, you might allow a perception to come forward, like I remember one time, I uh, you know I was showing someone how to do it, and I saw a bird, and then I felt the bird, and what the bird was doing, the bird you know it was a uh, a woodpecker, and it was you know it was pecking, <laughs> and so uh, the 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 bird wasn't there right then, it wasn't pecking right then, but it was still embedded. That energy of the bird pecking the tree was still embedded in the consciousness of the tree. In other words, so I was feeling something that happened to it. And then also other perceptions. You may feel you may feel in your body things that the that the tree felt. You may feel wind. You may feel uh, water. You may feel uh, you may see changes. You may glimpse uh, changes of the earth. In other words, the totality of what the tree is experiencing, you may actually glimpse something that the, the, was a moment in time of that tree, say maybe even if it's an old tree, maybe 50 years ago. And because your consciousness is able to detect more things than uh, to pick out more things from the tree, from that total, totality of consciousness of the tree, you might even be able to pick out specifics of things that were around the tree. For example, wow. very old tree. Oh, yeah. Yes, see, that's amazing, Jim. I love it. You may it. see the landscape of the tree before uh, before even people were there. If it's a very mm-hmm. very old tree, that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Yeah. I'm I have you know loved the plants, loved the trees. It, it's never even entered my mind that I could communicate. That is awesome. I'm going to do that. That is yeah. really fun. Oh, my so, gosh. So you can gladly be a tree hugger. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've been called that. And now I'm going to be a tree communicator. I'm really right. excited. There you go. <laughs> Pick up on that energy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that that's great. Thank you for sharing, Jim. Sure. Um, a couple more minutes left to go. Uh, anything else in particular that you would like to, to share with us or give the listeners a little something to to think about um, as we go forward into the next year that's coming up? Well, you know, this is a good time to make uh, resolutions and so forth. Um, one of the good thing, one of the things is you might consider is recapitulation, which is looking at who you think you are. In other words, and I'm in my next book, Redefining Manhood, which comes out in the spring, I've got a bunch of exercises for that. But, what you can do for recapitulation is to sit down and write down all the things that you think who you are, okay? Like, I'm resolute, or I am, um, you know, too much of an equivocator, or I am whatever. All these things about who you think you are. Just make a list of them. And then go down each one and see if you can determine where that came from. See if, uh, you know, why, if you're an equivocator, why are you an equivocator? Who were the influences in your life that caused you to be that? And go down the list and do that. And take just kind of an inventory like that. 
And then what you can do from that is to decide step-by-step all these things of who you think you are. Now, mind you, that's not who you really are. Who you really are is the person who, uh, who listens to these things. If you say, like, I'm an angry person, well, uh, are you really? Is that... You know, you're reflecting that you're an angry person, but is that who you really are? You're, if you say you're an angry person, it's because you've internalized this voice or this, this uh, instruction to be an angry person. Where did that come from? Is that something you want to continue? Whatever these things are, go down to the list, see where they came from, and see, what, see if you can pinpoint exactly uh, the people, places, and things that caused that particular thing, where it came from, and then look at it from your adult eyes, being a, a full-blown adult, conscious, whole, complete person, and saying, is that who I really am? Is that who I want to be? And then right. if it doesn't apply anymore, say, hey, I don't, I don't need that anymore. And then when that comes up, you say, well, you know, go away. I, that's not me anymore. And then go on about your life. And that way you can change yourself on, you know, in, in just about any way that you want to be. Yes, yes, let it go. Oh, I love that. There you go, everyone, for our new year. Well, gosh, Jim, our hour's pretty much up here. I could have went another hour with you. I could have just gone another hour. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I'm and glad to be here. Thank you. Happy holidays, and we will chat in the new year. Okay. Yes, thank you. And thank you to all the listeners, everyone around the world. I appreciate your listening and, and joining us and being with us in thought and energy. Happy holidays and thank you. Hugs and blessings. Thank you again for tuning into For the Love of Reiki. Please join your host, Paula Vale, again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel to learn more about your better health. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 